0: Commuter Core Weekly is brought to you in part by Dull Whips. CommuterCore Weekly, communicate geeky, with five around boats and five-legged goats. CommuterCore Weekly, you might catch
1: a freaking. you waited all week, I'm sure you already know this it's the greatest
0: on my show. and welcome to CommuniCore Weekly. I'm George. And I'm Jeff. Paging Mr. Morrow, Mr. Tom Morrow.
1: It's time for Disney History.
0: Tomorrow's transportation, today. That's the slogan that once graced the People Movers attraction poster at Disneyland. Debuting July 2, 1967 with the newly remodeled Tomorrowland, the People Mover was one of the most visible of the new attractions being unveiled that year, mostly because you can see it from almost everywhere in Tomorrowland. The
1: original idea for the People Mover was experimented with during the 1964-65 New York World's Fair in the magic Skyway attraction that Disney designed for Ford. The attraction featured a trip through time, not quite a TARDIS, while well, guests were seated in various models of Ford cars. Were also, they bigger on the on the inside of the cars? I or? think they were, actually. At least the glove box was. Mm. Yeah. They uh, themselves were unpowered. They used a new propulsion concept that allowed them to be pushed along the track, which stemmed from an idea John Hench had while watching an assembly line at a Ford plant.
0: Two years after the fair ended, Disney Imagineers reworked the concept and introduced it into the new Tomorrowland, Again, the people mover cars themselves weren't motorized; the track itself was. Rubber tires powered by electricity were mounted every nine feet along the three-quarter of a mile track and helped push the people mover along its route. There were 517 of these motor-driven tires, which moved your car anywhere between two to seven miles per hour, depending on the location. For a single D ticket, guests could get a scenic 16-minute tour of Tomorrowland from a
1: vantage point they were never able to see before. Along that tour, they went through Adventure Through Inner Space, the Carousel of Theater, where guests could have a great preview of Progress City, uh, near the Submarine Voyage Lagoon, the Circorama Theater, and in the
0: late 70s, Inside Space Mountain. Each car, which was fitted with a speaker to play music by Disney legend Buddy Baker, was covered in a white canopy to protect the guests from the sun, and came of one in f- one of four colors, blue, red, green, or yellow about four people could sit in one of the cars at a time. There were 62 four-train cars, which had an hourly capacity of almost 5,000 people.
1: Goodyear, of course known for selling quality car tires, are they gonna send us a check for that? I hope so. I hope so. Uh, They sponsored the attraction and provided the tires for its propulsion system from 1967 until 1981. The attraction had a few changes over the years, including adding a super speed tunnel, and effects that mimic the movie Tron to help promote the film. Sadly, the People Mover was removed in 1995 and it was soon replaced by
0: the short lived Rocket Rods. A different version of the People Mover, now named the Tomorrowland Transit Authority People Mover, still exists at Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom today. Though similar in concept, this version of the ride uses linear induction instead of the tire propulsion system. The People Mover is still one of the most popular rides at Walt Disney World today, with its relaxing ride through Tomorrowland, sometimes garnering waits close to an hour.
1: Though we can no longer experience the original attraction at Disneyland, rumors of its return have been making the rounds for years. So, we may just be able to see it back in action once again.
0: He's a, nurse. He's, a, nurse. He's, a he's a geek, but we all like to hear him speak. To listen up to the words from his ah! It's George's Book
1: of the Week. This is a different type of book for this week's show. You know, in the past, we've looked at theme park guides, history books, film history and analysis, photo books, biographies, and a lot more. The book in, for this week is a children's picture book called Meet Me at the Magic Kingdom by Kathy Jacobson. It was released in 1995 and is just 32 pages. The book follows a young girl named Katie and her family's trip to the Magic Kingdom where they are meeting their cousins for their annual vacation. The book follows both families as they meet up at the hotel, obviously the Polynesian from the Great Beach painting, and spend the next day at the Magic Kingdom. The families tour each land at the Magic Kingdom and ride all of the major attractions. Kathy Jacobson is considered one of America's premier folk artists. Her art is uh, being is displayed at the Smithsonian and the Museum of American Folk Art, and the almost full-page paintings are stupendous. Really, the paintings are the only reason to get this book. Uh, the story's okay. I mean, it's a children's story, so you can't get too nerdy with it, uh, but the illustrations are so colorful and charming that you would really want to find copies of the artwork to hang in your theme park room at your house. because. Everybody listening's got a theme park room, right? I got two of them. Awesome. Uh, you know, I've even thought about. Well, actually, I have purchased a second copy, but I can't bring myself to cut it to frame the photo or the artwork. Um, like I said, they're they're in a folk art style, which is really charming and cute. I think most people will really in, in enjoy just looking at the the paintings themselves. Another thing about the book is that it's also a look at the Magic Kingdom from 1995, and it includes a large two-page painting of Mickey Starland, and a rather interesting stylized map of the park. Of course, I wouldn't use that map for touring nowadays. Not recommended. Uh, Obviously, this is a great book to read with kids, whether before or after a trip. The biggest drawback is that there are paintings of 20,000 Leagues and Mickey Starland, which could bring up some uncomfortable questions to the young theme parkologist and don't understand why these attractions are no
0: longer there. Hey, this submarine line looks pretty awesome. Let's go on that. <laughs> what do you mean it's but, uh, not there? A princess meet and greet?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that was, that, was, that was very funny. Um, <laughs> but anyone that loves the Magic Kingdom is, is really going to enjoy this book because the paintings and the nostalgia, and we probably should keep Jeff away from this book.
0: So with the new Fantasyland opening it up at uh, Walt Disney World very soon, George and I were thinking that maybe we should talk about what we think the best dark ride in Fantasyland wa- was or is, or you know, of all time from when it opened till now. So, George, what do you what do you think the best dark ride is? Oh, you're gonna let me go first? Yeah. Okay. Well, you go first because you're you're wrong most of the time. So uh, by by most, I mean 99. But that's fine. What's the best I, fa- uh, Fantasyland dark ride?
1: Can't argue with the numbers. Ah. Uh, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Oh, I guess I should answer. Say yeah, loud, So you guys don't yeah, get probably. my ESPN. I think the, if, if I think the best one that I like or the one that I make sure I ride every single trip has got to be Peter Pan. I enjoy that one except for the queue. The queue is terrible. And we've heard the rumors about them taking out the awesome Prince and Princess bathrooms to, do, to extend the queue and possibly make an interactive queue for Peter Pan, which is desperately needed. Um... I just, to me, it's just one of those dark rides that totally takes you out of the moment. As soon as you go through the Darling window and you fly, you're flying over London. It's fantastic. It, it's got that great suspension of disbelief, and you just really enjoy it. Now, if I had to choose, because we sort of argued about this, I really would pick the Disneyland version of Peter Pan, even though it's shorter, because that, uh, because of that amazing fiber optic star field that you come across. Before you hit um, uh, Neverland, I think it's fantastic. But to me, every time at the Magic Kingdom, that is the one dark ride in Fantasyland I do not miss. Um, usually, I'm, you know, begging, borrowing, and beating up somebody for a fast pass for it. But you know, going that. So, well, let's hear what your favorite dark ride is. Well,
0: I can't, I can't disagree with you on Peter Pan. I do enjoy wow. it a lot. But I think my issue with that ride stems from your issue from the ride. Also, is yeah. the queue. And that is what prevents me from going on it pretty much all the time because I feel like it's not worth the hour and a half wait that is yeah. always there for it. So, that's that's
1: the Soren effect.
0: Yes, the sword effect. So, yes. uh, all the rides that that fly. I mean, that that must be what it is. It's something <laughs> in in people's blood that makes it the line go really slow. But if if I had to pick, it's not there anymore. I know, but it would be Mr. Snow Tose. Ice
1: Scary Adventure. Oh.
0: I mean that's close. I mean <laughs> along the same lines. Absolutely, that that would so be number Mr. two. Toe, so Mr. So Toad's Wild Ride is definitely this one. I I love that one, and I think you know, I remember as a kid my mind being blown going on once, and then realizing, wait, it's like a whole different experience if I go on the other side. And I just I just thought that was a, a novel concept, and you can get two different ride experiences, and it's just crazy. And and where else in Walt Disney World? Can you get hit by a train, die, and go to hell? I just think that's the coolest thing ever. Like, and
1: and, and not be dumped into a gift shop.
0: Yeah, exactly. Because the devil don't sell no gifts. He just <laughs> he right. just wants your soul.
1: <laughs> well, that's the, you know I'd have to agree with you. Probably that's one of the greatest dark rides ever created. Well. Roger Rabbit's cartoon spin with the evolution, but that's another show altogether. Yeah. You know, yeah. I've got to agree with you, but it's not there, so a lot of listeners can't experience it or may not have experienced it. They, they can get you the, know?
0: a half experience, if you will, at Disneyland, even though, you know, it only has the one track, whereas Walt Disney World had the dual tracks and the two different experiences, <laughs> but. That's the closest I will ever get onto it again, minus somebody recreating it on the internet, which I'm sure somebody's doing because people are recreating all these extinct attractions.
1: Oh, definitely, definitely.
0: So wasn't
1: there somebody famous that you know that designed Mr. Toad's World Ride? Well,
0: yeah, yeah, there is somebody, Mr. Rolly Crump, and <sighs> he, he was in charge of, and I think now that I'm older and I heard that story from him personally, it made me appreciate the ride even more so nowadays because um, it was his idea to do the two, two tracks because that ride was so popular at Disneyland that they decided, hey, let's double the capacity of Walt Disney World because people like it so much. And then 20 years later, like, now nah, we changed our mind. Let's tear it out and build something else there instead. Let's, no put, pigs. Poo,
1: let's put poo in there. Poo, um, what is that? Yeah. Well, you know, if, if you look at Peter Pan, it's got that great, uh, the scene that you where, where you fly over London. People remember that, and then yeah. going in and between the scenes around Neverland, it's just so tightly packed. It's a showstopper. Those both yeah. of those scenes, and then the one people remember about Toad is sort of when you hit that town square, that center, where you see where the the two tracks almost collide. Yeah, you almost hit the car on the other side if it's you time correctly. It. And, and I think a lot of people really enjoyed that, and that was that was a mind blower for most of that. Except you know, I can't remember <laughs> being in you know, seeing a little kid get off just screaming, going. What? <laughs> what am I getting into here? Wait a minute. So, which, it's just got some great effects. So, you know, hey, I think we're both right. Uh, there is no wrong answer in this one. I think, I think, you know, Peter Pan's probably the best dark ride now. Currently. But, but of all time, Mr.
0: Toad probably is the best that's been there. All right, so we'll, we'll yeah. have to agree on this one. Oh, wow. That's a first. Go figure. Don't get used to it. I'm not.
1: Sometimes you might
0: see it, sometimes you don't. Hey, look, what's that? It's a five-legged like it goat.
1: <laughs> the Land Pavilion is well known for housing one of the most popular rides at Epcot, if not at all of Walt
0: Disney World. And over the years, the pavilion has seen quite a few changes. When it opened, a large part of the ground floor was dedicated to the farmer's market, a mall-like eatery with different food stalls. In 2004-2005, the pavilion underwent its second major facelift when Nestle renewed its sponsorship. Part of the refurb was the food court area.
1: One of the changes was that the food court's name was shortened to Sunshine Seasons. It was the Sunshine Seasons Food Fair. And yes, it took me seven times to get that sentence out so that's why I said it so slowly uh, and at the time the overall design was refreshed and if you pay attention to the balloons when you first enter the pavilion the ones hanging from the, ce- the ceiling you'll
0: notice that they represent the four seasons after you grabbed your food from the food court also check out the tables down there too they're divided into sections based on the different seasons
1: now you know Jeff it would behoove the watching and listening audience greatly to become a fan of Communicore Weekly On Facebook,
0: I mean, I'm a fan of Communicore Weekly on Facebook, so you guys should be a fan of Communicore Weekly on Facebook. Exactly.
1: You know, sometimes we will poll the fans
0: to see if there's
1: other topics that we should talk about. Or, like we did for this week's show, we put them into a big ring and forced them to fight, I mean, uh, uh, made them beg to be the fan of the week. And this week's Communicore Weekly Facebook fan of the week is Amanda Williams. Yay! To Congra- say congratulations, Amanda. Uh, we just asked everybody to tell us why they should be the fan of the week, and she had some pretty good and pretty awesome reasons.
0: Yes, and she totally deserved it too because she's a big supporter of the show as well. So congratulations, Amanda. Well deserved. And I do have to mention, Mr. David Hood. Based on your comment about Animal Kingdom being a full day park, <gasps> you, you were you were coming in as a close second. I'll, I will give you that, sir. So.
1: I would say something about him being half of a fan, but that's kind of mean. It is.
0: That is kind of mean.
1: So, no, because David's an awesome guy, and he really likes us and supports us, and that's
0: important. Yes. So, congrats to Amanda, and thank you for supporting me, David. Well, thanks so much for watching. Be sure to leave us a comment and rate us on iTunes. And, of course, you can always email us at Weekly at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash CommuniCore Weekly. Follow us on Twitter at ImagineEarning. Why do I always have to
1: say this one? I need to switch it up next time. And follow Jeff at Jeff
0: Heimbach. The best one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm George. And I'm Jeff. And we're from Mice Chat. Thanks so much for watching. We'll see you next time on CommuniCore Weekly. Sticky-neat
1: pun